everybody. We're going to dive right into some questions this week. Uh, once again, we are going to go to our social medias for some of the questions because of an absence of voicemails, but I'm going to discuss that with you later. So, <laughs> so for now, started. let's appreciate the people who reached out to us on social media with questions. <laughs> so first one coming from Gory Lady, a.k.a. Chloe Garcia on Twitter. Since it's Women in Horror Month, what is your favorite female-directed horror movie? Also, for Black History Month, what is your favorite black horror movie? Or, I'm assuming, black-directed horror movie, or just in general, either or, whichever. Um, I want to hear what you two have to say first, because I'm curious. Uh, Megan, we'll start with female. Megan, what's your favorite female-directed horror movie? Singular, just one. We can only pick one. Well, I specifically put... Way too many that I'm not narrowing it down to one. So I'm cheating and giving you a handful starter pack. That's how I roll. They're going to take all mine. No, there's so many. There's so many. And I was specifically selective to give like a rounded out bunch because there's so many that I'm missing that I'm sad about excluding. But I obviously went with Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. That was formative for me. Deborah Brock's, Deborah Brock's Slumber Party Massacre 2, because mm-hmm. we want to be your Tokyo convertible. Uh, <laughs> Antonia Bird's Ravenous. Karen Kusama's Jennifer's mm-hmm. Body. And Coralie Farge's Revenge. Yes, Megan. Nice. How about you, Zena? Okay, so I also had Mary, or have Mary Lambert on my list. But depending on my mood, I really love Pet Cemetery 2. That's Leave fair. alone. Mm. No, we're not here to hate. Okay, I um, will go to bat for Clancy Brown in that movie. He's just so great. Um, and then also, I believe her name is Marina Sargenti. Sargenti, I believe she um directed Mirror Mirror from 1990. Oh yeah, Karen Black is in it. It's you know Antique Mirror. It's just a magical movie. Um, I mentioned, (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned The Dorm from 2014. Um, directed by Rachel Talalay. Yeah. Good me pronouncing nice. her name. Woo-hoo. And then, okay, this is a Polish director, but I cannot pronounce her name. But Megan, I oh know my you god, love the lore. Too. See, yeah. see, oh. there's so many. There's, and you know that that movie, the lore, it has dancing and singing and mermaids, and horror and blood. It's just, it has everything you need. Screw my five. Just, just pick that one. <laughs> That's mine. Okay, there, there we go. <laughs> Wow. I love that movie so much. It's ridiculous. It's great. I'm impressed. Okay, John. And neither of you said my other two. I only I, I wrote down See, three just in case. There's way I'm too impressed. much ground to cover here. Mm-hmm. So I also had The Babadook by Jennifer nice, Kent. yeah. And Near Dark by Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. See? See? There's just, it's all, all the other women. I love you too. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> so a hard question. All right, so uh, favorite black horror movie, black directed, black, whatever I suppose you want to fall into that category. Let, let, we'll, uh, same order. Megan, how about you? Hands down, definitive, without a doubt, uh, one of my top five horror movies of all time, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Forever and ever. Ah, ever. that was on so my good. list. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. That's I got I got custom shoes from Andrew Lesane, like laptop. Yes. Yeah, for... For Demon Knight. So that's mine. I'm claiming it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ernest Dickerson. I want him to do more horror movies. Like, period. Please. He he had so much joy brought to that movie. And he assembled such a fantastic ensemble. So forever and ever. Um, and then I did pick a number two. Just because it's black exploitation, But it's not actually directed by a black director. Uh, Sugar Hill. And I think that Zeno will agree with me on that one. Marky Bay is such a great, fashionable, ruthless, avenging voodoo queen. Um, Yeah, so I love that one too. But forever and ever, Demon Knight. She's a powerful woman. Okay. We use Zeno. Okay, so I have a black exploitation horror, and I'm going with JD's Revenge from 1976. Um, I love that movie so much. It just gives me, it just makes me feel tough. You know, sometimes when you watch a movie. (laughs) Okay, no. <laughs> all right <laughs> it made you feel okay, like a then, warrior huh yes and then the other one i have to mention this i was just tweeting about it earlier death by temptation it's one of my favorite horror movies ever about a succubus that's just killing all the men not all of them but you know 
some of them in New York some City. <laughs> some of them. And of course, I have to have on my list because it's a childhood favorite, The People Under the Stairs. And then just a last one. This was mm. really hard, but I just, you know, wanted to give you just a little bit, just give you a little taste. And then the last one, I'm going to go with Vamp. You know, Grace Jones is in it, and she is a fashion goddess, and I want to be her. Mm. Okay. John? <laughs> Well, I'm going to go the more pop culture route in this one. And I have to mention Jordan Peele in the argument. Now, for me, my Jordan Peele choice is actually Us. I like Us more than Get Out as a horror movie. Cool. I think Get Out is arguably a better movie, but I think Us is a better horror movie. And the, the visuals presented in Us, I just adore. Like... From the slow motion scene of Pluto, like backing up toward the fire, like the like kind of the side by side depictions of of the tethereds, like what they go, what they're doing, like like handing the t shirt, like when you see at the very beginning and then versus the very end, the visual, I adore it. Like the performances are all like blew me away. Like I've watched, I've watched, I've only watched Get Out once and I own it, but I've watched us streaming a few times recently. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I know it doesn't, I know a lot of people treated it like a soft, quote unquote, sophomore slump, I suppose. Hmm. Um, but I, I like us more than get out personally. Honestly, I'm right there with you. I, th- I think it's, it's a scarier movie, but it's also got these really amazing moments of humor in it mm-hmm. that are just like, like almost outrageously humorous. <laughs> like it's clear you know, and if anyone who's watched like the Key and Peele series, like he has these, you see the splashes of horror throughout it, like the zombie bits and stuff. And he talks about loving horror. And, but at the same time, he's a comedian. You knew him from Mad TV, you knew him from Key and Peele. And then it's like, oh shit, no, he really does love and no horror. Like, but it's hard for him, I think, if go against the grain for there not to be humor in his movies because he's just a funny guy. Too. <laughs> so. So yeah, nice. great question. That, that was good. And very, very timely, not only for the fact that it's February, but we will be celebrating Women History and Black History on Creepy. Shameless plug on that one. Go over <laughs> and I'll do the announcement officially this week. Uh, okay, question two. From at Gory Bits, I see a theme with our listeners. Go AKA gory. Daniel and Yeah, they're all gory. It's awesome. I'm on like Instagram. Gory. Daniel Anthony... Wemas Jr. Wemas, I apologize for mispronouncing your name if I did. Have you ever watched a horror film based solely on the title? And that's interesting because I think a lot of us have such fondness for like VHS or movie store rental artwork mm-hmm. that we all have that. But but that's the image versus right. the title because in movie stores you couldn't just yeah they were they were intertwined yeah right. Yeah, exactly. But in this day and age, especially with streaming. streaming and everything else, you might see the artwork. But for me, like that doesn't plant itself in the head nearly as much as it used to. Exactly. Maybe it's because it's just you expect it and you're inundated with it or they just don't put the effort into it like they used to. I don't know. Right. Um, oh, they still do. But yeah. Yeah. So for me, probably my argument is probably most horror movies that I've watched over the last few years that I didn't watch a trailer for. Like, a lot of stuff on Shudder, like, doesn't have a trailer, and, like, I just pull it up, and, like, oh, the title mm-hmm. sounds interesting. Let's give it a shot. Hell House LLC, for sure. I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, Hell House, that sounds interesting. And huh. it must not be that <laughs> creepy Christian propaganda one. That's so. so interesting to me. What? I just, well, I mean, like, for me, I had to think about this, because, like you said, some of the titles that I, I loved as a kid, I don't think that I could have ever separate, like, dolls. I like the title dolls, but it's forever married to that image on the cover box so you know i had to really think about this and the more generic the title that's not what would grab me instantaneously like for me i think Mm -hmm. it was the buzz for hell house because hell house sounds like lots of horror movies you know like the legend of hell house so i don't think that for me i'm not you know just different perspectives obviously that's what makes this question very interesting because for me it was things like let the corpses tan that's a title that instantly grabbed me or let's scare Jessica to death or yeah. wolf cop. Well, I was thinking uh, the man who killed Hitler or hunted big or killed Hitler and then hunted down Bigfoot. The, 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 the um, oh my God. Why can't I think of his name? 
um yeah, the the man who shot Hitler and then hunted down Bigfoot. Was that? The, I know what you're talking about, but I don't have yeah. the the accurate title there. I, I can't remember the full name of the title, but it's an amazing movie, and it's this amazing like kind of cross genre mix and performances and everything else. But it's also a horror adjacent at best. Right. But I definitely watched it just for the title. I'm like, you committed. I am absolutely going to spend 90 minutes of my life just for that title. You went Hell. for it. I feel like all of the 70s Giallo movies had some insane titles. We need to bring more of that, you know, (laughs) energy into the present. The Red Queen kills seven times. Four flies on gray velvet. um, Woman in lizard skin. These are all titles (laughs) that I instantly have no idea what it's about, but I need to know. Totally agree. I agree so too. Zena. Like I, I know um that's the only reason why I watched the Ginger Dead Man because of the title. The Ginger Dead Sea, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, there's another one. It's my party, and I'll die if I want to. Yeah. So it's just like, nice. okay, sure, why sure. not? Oh, and then I think recently... I watched Chopping Mall without having seen the <sighs> yeah. trailer. Or seen or the artwork didn't mean anything to me. So I was like Chopping it's, it's Mall. A great, though. Yeah. Great title. It is a great title. There's no chopping in it. Frankenhooker. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yes, it definitely there. It's inter- There's kind of a Venn diagram overlap of that time of the fascination with movie rental and and box cover art, and then kind of that gray area of where it switched just over to like trailers specifically because like our accessibility to trailers was more available, and now streaming culture. It's just I'm just clicking through stuff until something jumps out. More often than not, now it is the title. That exactly. makes me wonder, well, what's, what is that about? So, yeah. Nice. Awesome question. With that, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, movie horror fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. <laughs> and I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we work. We hope your week has been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in the horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? Well, I'm ready to make you guys smile because I watched a lot of gothic yeah. horror. Whoop, whoop. I really like that a lot. So <clears throat> the first movie I watched, uh, The House on Skull Mountain on YouTube from 1970. See, that's just a good name. That is a very See? good title. That's the only, I, I think I watched this back when I was in high school. Oh my God. Okay. I'm just excited that, to tell you that guys That could about be like it. He-Man too, though. <laughs> it could be. That's true. Yeah. C- Castle Grayskull. <laughs> this should be an action so, horror movie. We should make it. And John, yeah. you can die in it if you want. You just Boom. lay in the background. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, don't tease me. That's not cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so this one, uh, murders occur at a southern estate of a voodoo priestess when her four relatives gather to hear her will. Her will. So this movie, um, it pretty much has like an all-black cast. And I say that it's kind of like um, the 1959's um, House on Haunted Hill. Or like a like Hammer film, I'd like to say. Um, only thing is, okay, this movie is not scary at all, but it is more okay. fun. The mansion, okay. it is pretty creepy. Yeah, which is fine. Like, I, I had, like, a great time with it. I think I caught this back, like, when I was in high school, and I think it came on cable, and I was just, like, binge-watching it, but, um, because they were showing it all day for some reason on, like, AMC or some channel. <laughs> I don't know. And so, you know, I had it. <laughs> And my TV on. Why do I always tell you guys information that you don't need to know? Oh, yeah. And I we need to know these cheese. things. We, because we, we love it. Okay. Because it leads to some crazy insight into your <laughs> house that you refuse okay. to have a camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe for you guys, I'll, I'll give you guys a camera, give you guys a little insight. That would be so weird. <laughs> it is, okay. it, when we say it out loud, it does sound creepy. <laughs> That'll be a Patreon exclusive someday, folks. <laughs> Here's Zena sleeping with the cheese wrappers. Cheese wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> and we're now we're just eluding the conversations we had off mic. Yeah. <laughs> but they're okay. amazing conversations. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sorry. But no. Um the house is pretty creepy and it has like um like a skull door knocker, which is like, whoa, I need one of those. But 
The reason why I like this movie is because visually it's really pretty. You know, it's not a story that's like so unique. We've seen it before. We've heard of it before. Similar type of characters. But um, it's like a fun time. Like there's someone who actually, I won't say who, you know, I don't want to, you know, spoilers. But someone falls to their death down like an elevator shaft and it was unexpected. You know, um, there's also like the secret cave where there may or may not be like voodoo, like a voodoo ritual, like dance spellbound party with chant. I mean, okay, even though they were doing some evil stuff, it looked like it would have been like a good time down there, like a party that you want to. We're talking like angel heart style voodoo ceremony or. No, it was like very, um, very Caribbean, very like, mm. you know, like, I don't know, like party over here, ain't nothing over there. Is it there like Sugar Hill had a bit of right. a. Right. It's like, it's yeah. It's it like had luau-ish. Like yeah. Kind of luau-ish and stuff. Yeah. Really I'm into cool. that. It's like, okay, so I don't want to spoil it. So I don't want to, you know, go into too much, but it is like a black exploitation, you know, horror movie. If you are looking to get into some black exploitation movies, because I know sometimes they could be so outrageous, like P.D. Wheatstraw, oh my God. But mm-hmm. if you want something a little bit more tamer, um, I recommend, you know, checking this one out. And it's free on YouTube. It's on this channel called Safe House Horror. And they actually have like a lot of older movies. Like last week when I was watching like black and white movies, I mainly watched it on their channel. So they have nice. movies from like the 30s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Great. But yeah, Great. ever since I saw this movie, um, I've been obsessed with the 70s. And it's really my dream for someone to call me seriously a foxy lady. I don't know Aww. why. I just, I just, no, but everybody takes You realize you just put out a call for that though, right? You're your socials well, no, are about like, to be inundated not in with a foxy crazy ladies. way just like hey foxy lady you know i know just like me who me and it's it is me because <laughs> i'm predicting <laughs> somebody at least one time this week is going to say that to you on twitter <laughs> megan why can't you call me foxy lady i i have to set the right moment it has to be special okay, okay. if i say it to you now you won't take it to heart that's true, true. i'm just gonna okay. i'm gonna drop it like a bomb when you don't expect it <laughs> Oh my God, I'm, I don't think I'm ready for it. <laughs> no, no, but okay, but seriously though. Um, uh, last thing too, like the house is literally on like a mountain that's in the shape of a skull. And it's like, why would you build a house up there? Like that's, that's I, wild. I don't know. Why you, wouldn't you, you would. build a house I feel up like there. you totally would. No, because, okay, whatever happens to you, you kind of deserve it because you built your house on a skull. Like on what? On a skull? I don't know. But it's all for the aesthetics, though, right? Because that looks probably really cool. It it did. It looked really cool. But no, it's it's a fun movie. Um, Recommend it if if you if you're interested. If not, it's okay. So (laughs) then, uh, the next one, I checked out the Queen of Black Magic on Shutter from 2019, and I think we spoke about this like was it last week? Um, So basically, families. Yeah, because I think it was just released last week on on Shutter. So families. they were terrorized as at an orphanage and someone wants them dead. And apparently this person has like black magic, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like modern Gothic tales. And I just love the way this movie looks visually. I love how it starts. And it it's like, it doesn't, it, it, it didn't really drag itself out. They kind of just throw you right into it where it's like, I like the characters. I like like the first family that we, that we meet as the viewers. And even though it's like they kind of use like a familiar trope, um, mm-hmm. it went like a whole lot darker than I thought it would be. And there's like so much gore, but it, it's like beautiful. So, you know, I, I just accept it. But yeah, um, if you're someone who loves movies where you see kind of like a haunted like past and then there are people revealing like disturbing and hurtful secrets, um, gross secrets too uh yeah you you may want to check this one out it's just a mixture of supernatural horror and like hidden trauma and it really does live up to its title so but yeah um and as a plus like this movie creeps me out there there were certain scenes that kind of got under my skin and that's always a plus when that happens i haven't watched the original one yet but hopefully i'll be able to check it out this week i haven't either but i hear it's completely different like in no way Mm. similar which is actually okay. exciting. Right? Cool. What about you, Megan? I have been deeply submerged in Sundance this weekend. Uh, was there a virtual edition? Because we're in a pandemic. Yay. 
so I actually kind of miss the infest experience. It's really odd. Like they did a great job doing it virtually. I think it's still going through tomorrow. Um, but yeah, watching a premiere on your couch is a different kind of experience. Kind of bums me out a little bit, but it was, it was good. Um, so I basically decided I would share my three favorites that I saw at the fest. So the first one is in the earth. Um, it is the newest Ben Wheatley movie. And I always feel like Ben Wheatley is at his best when he just gets to do whatever the hell he wants from a horror perspective. So the plot, uh, is basically as the world searches for a cure to a disastrous virus, a scientist and park scout venture deep into the forest for a routine equipment run. So he conceived this the first day of lockdown and actually shot it during, um, you know, last summer, I think. Wow. So, yeah. And the thing that I love, I really like this one a lot. First of all, it's it's complementary to a field in England as far as you are about to embark on a mind-bending psychedelic trip into complete madness. It's folk horror. A little bit of science meets folk horror. Um, it's got Inside Number Nine's Reese Shearsmith in it. And I highly recommend Inside Number Nine, which is on HBO Max, if you haven't seen that anthology show. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the thing that I really like, besides it being just off the rails wacky, there's there's some violence. There's some a little bit of body horror. There's for sure a whole lot of crazy visuals, psychedelics. Don't do it on edibles. Or maybe do. You do you. Um, <laughs> but I like the way that he approached this. I mean, this is clearly taking it's set in our current timeline it's set while we're dealing with a pandemic but it's not the basis of his plot so you meet this scientist as he's going to a lodge to check in before he he gets taken deeper into the woods by the park scout and that's where you get a little bit of insight to some folk taley stuff but you know there's signs about social distancing he's wearing a mask when he first gets there and then you know that's kind of where the plot stops being related to the pandemic other than the inciting push that gets him there in the first place. So I like that a lot that, you know, it's not just another pandemic. Oh, it's a virus outbreak movie. Um, mm -hmm. No, but something completely different and it's Ben Wheatley and it's crazy town and I like it. Um, the next thing I watched that I loved was censor, which uh, is about um, a, film censor during the video nasty era. So after viewing a strangely familiar video nasty, Enid, the film censor, sets out to solve a past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves the line between fiction and reality. So uh, it's Prano Bailey Bond's debut, and it is super, super gorgeous and very thematically complex. There's a few things happening in here, but uh, I, I loved it not just for the complexity and how gorgeous it is, but because it's very much a love letter to horror and the video nasty era. Um, she's not critiquing the censor or video nasties, although she kind of uses a lot of actual video nasties in her opening, but she's more kind of critiquing censorship and how mm. that's not really going to affect real world horrors. So it's super interesting. Um, I enjoyed that one and I, I feel like it's a, budding filmmaker who's very uh, well-researched and formed and protective of horror, which you don't see a whole lot of these days. Um, yeah. Not that you don't, but I don't know. I just, I, I really love what she did here. I love the, uh, I've been seeing, I think you also, you posted this, but it's just like a screenshot of a woman who's all bloody and there's yeah. like a field of flowers or it looks like flowers. I don't know. It's Whoa. she, yeah, it's like, because it's set in the early 80s, obviously, during the peak of the video nasty craze. And she loves her job, like, cutting up, uh, cutting out the gory bits and banning movies and stuff. And that's all gray and drab. But the more kind of her dreams and nightmares seeps in, the more vivid Ooh. and neon it gets. So it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend that one. I don't know when that will, I don't know when any of these will be out. Um, but I do know that Prisoners of Ghost of the Ghostland was picked up, uh, just ahead of Sundance. So at some point, sooner rather than later, you can expect that one. Uh, okay. but that one is Sion Sono's English language feature debut. 
And this one is a wild one. Uh, Plot-wise, it's in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town, a ruthless bank robber is sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord, the governor, whose adopted granddaughter, Bernice, has gone missing. The governor offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway. Strapped to a leather suit that will self-destruct within five days, he sets off on a journey to find her. So that setup alone sounds like uh, Escape from L.A., like John Carpenter's <laughs> Escape from L.A., but this is a Sion Sono movie that stars Nicolas Cage as the Chaos. bandit, uh, Bill Mosley as the governor, uh, Sophia Butella as the, the woman that he's sent to retrieve. And again, it's Sion Sono. So this is a mashup, really, of genres. You've got Spaghetti Western, you've got Samurai, you've got... Uh, dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff it's all mashed together but in such a gorgeous way but it's also completely batshit so you know have you seen a movie called i think it's called bunruku yeah it's bunraku yeah jo- yeah so with josh hartnett and, and and ron perlman is it kind of like that then no no, okay. I can't. Well, well, you said mashup of spaghetti western and samurai and like post apocalyptic. Yeah, I, I mean, think that. I guess visually, I couldn't maybe... find a trailer for this anywhere. Well, that you're probably not going to find a trailer for any of them because it's their world mm. premieres. But because this one was picked up, I I want to say it was like by RLJEEJE, maybe, maybe I'm probably don't quote maybe. me on that. Uh, but I do know it was announced that it had been acquired, so you should expect a trailer for this one probably awesome. soon. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I like the title, too. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's not... I mean, you expect Nicolas Cage to go full throttle on the weird, but he's restrained at times, and other times he does go wild. Like, I just about died laughing when his testicle gets exploded, and he <laughs> has a very Cage reaction to that, and I love it. <clears throat> but really, the whole cast is great. I mean, Sophia Botella, uh, between Climax and some of her other choices, I love what she does. Uh, Bill Mosley gets to be the big bad, just an over-the-top big bad. So, yeah. Um, and I will say that in the intro for this, that uh, he did not intend for this to be kind of an East meets West aesthetic, the, the filmmaker. Um, it was going to be somewhere. I don't remember where, like probably either the U.S. or Australia. And it was going to be firmly like Western. But uh, he suffered a heart attack in pre-production. And so it was oh, Nicolas no. Cage who was like, why don't we film this in your native country so that, you know, for the sake of your health. And then it ended up kind of being this serendipitous like vibe that wasn't initially mm-hmm. there. So yeah, I I loved it, but I will say it's definitely going to be divisive as hell because it is so weird. Um, I know Zena talked about XD, which I think is on Tubi. That's one. I don't know if Tag is on Prime or Netflix, but I know recently was Tokyo Tribe for sure is on mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. So yeah. I kind of recommend watching some of his stuff to get a feel for just how idiosyncratic his humor <laughs> is. Um, but this is, I think, probably his most polished effort yet. So, yeah. I love it. Th- these were my absolute favorite. Wow. Well, you are just a fancy woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I'm a tired. I'm definitely a tired <laughs> woman right now. Oh. Okay. What everyone's been waiting for. What? The picks that Megan and Zena had for John. Yeah. First up. 2013's Bad Milo, which I watched on Amazon through the Monsters and Nightmares trial subscription offer. A stressed out man discovers that a tiny demon lives in his intestine and that, ex- <laughs> and that excessive anxiety causes the creature to escape and slaughter the man's tormentors. This is one of the funniest, maybe one of the funniest movies <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's... So this one was a hard one. I watched the trailer before I watched it, and I was like, oh, it's going to be so cringy because I'm going to feel so bad for Ken Marino, who's the main character. <laughs> because, you know, like, there's a line, you know, cringy humor. It's kind of like, oh, you just feel bad. Yeah. But every yeah. single comedic performance in this is so good. Like, <laughs> unbelievable. Like, think how awkward Office Space is, <laughs> and then put it in horror, and then... Have every single actor a really 
talented comedian on top of it. Even like Peter Stormeyer, who generally is just the creepy Russian guy in most movies. I love Peter Stormeyer so much. He is so funny in this. It's amazing. Um, This one, I'm... It isn't necessarily a movie I would have watched on my own. Full disclosure, um, despite the fact that I do love horror comedy, but it was such a, a, a an amazing also mix of kind of like '80s sentiment, like with 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 um with Milo. Isn't he the cutest butt monster you've he ever really seen? Like... Oh, he's so sweet with those big <laughs> eyes and his little face. You just want to give him a cuddle. Yeah, it's like, yeah, when he's spooning monster. on the couch with him, it's like, oh, I get it. All right. If you got a spoon with a butt monster, why not a, be my law? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is uh, a high recommend for me. That was that was Yay. really good. That makes me so happy. Even if you don't even want to try the trial subscription on Amazon, just rent it. It's totally worth it. So Xena's pick, 2020 Smiley Face Killers, which I bought on Amazon instead of renting. And we're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> A handsome young soccer player believes he's going insane when he's unable to shake the feeling of being stalked by something or someone. Zena is covering her face with her hair right now. <laughs> I got stuff to say. First and foremost, it's available to rent for $5.99 or buy for $9.99. If you're interested in watching this movie, I recommend renting it. Oh. Here's the thing. I bought it because I'm like, well, it's four bucks more. Why not? I'll probably watch it again. Okay. I might. Um, so it's very, it's a very Brett East. So it's written by Brett Easton Ellis, American Psycho, uh, Laws of Attraction, Less Than Zero. It has a very Less Than v- Zero vibe to it, to me. Like there's a lot of like the, the synth music in the background. There's a lot of neon. So it felt like the director was almost paying homage to Brett Easton Ellis, the writer, within mm-hmm. the story itself, because I have no idea how the script might have translated to the screen. <clears throat> it's actually a very beautifully shot movie in the way that, like, it just didn't feel typical for, like, a typical slasher-type mm-hmm. horror movie. And at the same time, it takes a long time for anything to happen. And I... I have never seen so many pretty men in a movie ever. Like, as much as Zoolander was supposed to be about the world of male models, uh-uh. <laughs> no. Smiley Face Killers is about the land of male models who evidently all go to the same college and play on the same soccer team. <laughs> they are all super pretty to the point where I was like, is there going to be a subplot here that I'm not expecting but I could totally see happening? No, the subplot doesn't happen. But... It, it kind of plays with this interesting idea of, uh, of um, like someone who has like potential, like uh, a background of like depression or potential mental breaks and things like that, and like is he really being stalked? Is he freaking out? And the people kind of, uh, it's a good way. It's a good way for if someone is being stalked and someone is being tormented, it's a really good way to have that within a movie, so you you can have people not believe him. <laughs> because he's had issues in the past and he's had a breakdown and stuff like that. Totally works. Totally get that. Right. That said, the payoff didn't work for me. Yeah. And a lot of it is because I do know a little bit about the smiley face killers. Like I alluded mm-hmm. to last week, I've done, I have done a little bit of research on my own on it. I'm sure anyone who listens to the true crime podcast, I'm sure has heard about them. I haven't heard on that. I just did reading. Um, but smiley face killers basically is a theory that was brought up, uh, between two retired police detectives and a university of St. Cloud, um, uh, I think criminal justice professor. The theory was, is that, so there were all these drownings across the Midwest and they attribute something like 45 or 50 of them to the supposed smiley face killers that, that because smiley face graffiti would be found around the scene. Um, it's been largely discredited because like the claims like well it's a smiley face like that's not that rare that this would suddenly be a thing but the big connection was they were all attractive or the majority of the men who whose bodies were found were attractive athletic popular they academically they were good but they were all found like drunk leaving like Mm -hmm. leaving a party or a bar was the last time somebody saw them Mm -hmm. So my my bigger issue with this is if you're going to lean on true crime, you need to give me more of the true crime. So and they don't do that. So 
to the point where it could have been a completely different movie. They didn't need to attribute it to the smiley face killers at all because it's it seems like a really, really small percentage of the movie is actually about that. Like you see some smiley faces, but you don't get it. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see how they tied it together, but it's like a lot of loose strings. Right. So not my favorite. But, but, or, and (laughs) there were definite aspects that I liked about it and I liked where it was going. I, it's just, if you're going to use true crime, like it just, it, it, to me, it has to be rooted a a lot harder in true crime. And they went way more the strangers route with it, where it was like some people were found dead. Like, let's make a movie about that and introduce Mm -hmm. these three characters that nobody knows exists. So that like kind of the subplot of the killer's motivations was really weird and glossed over okay but okay. it is a very beautifully shot movie it does definitely have some very interesting things Zina, i want to hear what you said what do you think about it well that's fair that's it <laughs> no stop <laughs> no but that's that's fair that's fair i totally get where you're coming from i in my mind why i thought you would like it because you know it they said it's based off of this i said hey john might like this you know and so <laughs> i did watch the movie and it was enjoyable because <laughs> I had to think how I was going to say this. It's enjoyable, but there are some annoying things that happen. But at the same time, like you said, visually, it's a pretty movie. Like it's mm-hmm. it kind of the way they were like showing the characters, they set it up like it was like a made for TV movie. And I really like those. Like it hmm. felt like that to me, like a lifetime movie. But then there's like yeah, killers. Yeah. You know, so it was a lot more day in the life than I was expecting. A yeah. lot of sh- if you want to see shirtless guys in a horror movie, this and, and nudity, like this is the movie for you. You're gonna True. get that. <laughs> True, but no, yeah, like I just I I only went based on that like the true crime aspect, and I thought you know this sure. was totally you know John's jam, and <laughs> apparently it is not. But I can say, and that's why I I knew that you hated the movie. When well, not hated. I knew that you didn't like the movie when I I sent you a te- I sent a text a group text to you guys. I was like, yeah, I got the perfect movie for John, and I never heard back. So that's that's <laughs> all I knew. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Now I I appreciate the thought. The thought means so much to me. But you don't cool. need to let that factor in either. Okay. Like I am more than willing to watch any of the movies you guys suggest. You don't have to pick one that you just think I'll like. Like, I am more than happy to, like, expand my horizons on stuff where you're like, oh, nobody likes this except me. Well, awesome. Like, I'll check that out. So you don't have okay. to worry about that. But I Lesson I learned. very much appreciate it. It was Aww. very, I, no, it's okay. It was just, it was a gamble. True, true. I'm, I'm sorry you. She got you it. caught up on a new release. There you go. Exa- exactly. When else was I going to see a 2020 movie? <laughs> This is already almost 2021. I feel like this just came out. I thought it did come out in 2021. Did it? It might have. I mean, yeah. it was 2020 on. It's like a... Okay. Oh, no. I don't know. What day is it? It might have been I... very end. I think it might yeah, have been the, like I the think beginning. It came out like in December, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, I think it was late December. And then the last one, I I kind of also have to thank Megan for this one. Um, not to not to like, take oh, more I praise see. for Zena this week. Yeah, like the, I see how <laughs> now, it is, I, John. Like, <laughs> I I have to thank her because the Monsters and Nightmares trial subscription has a few movies on there that I really like too. One of which being Splinter, which I don't think we've ever talked about on this podcast, I like and I'm Splinter. definitely going to talk about in the future. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, but I'm not talking about that this week because out of nowhere, this trial subscription also offered the movie Sandman, which I alluded to. Talking about found footage, the S ampersand man, Sandman. Yeah. Um, it's also in the trial subscription. So I'm like, oh my God, this is, how how could this be like any more serendipitous? I have to watch this. So <laughs> an exploration of voyeurism in cinema from Psycho and Peeping Tom in 1960 to the low budget underground genre films of recent years, and one particular young filmmaker whose snuff styled films are something to behold. So this is very much the way I remember it being. Uh, the first time I watched it, it is very, it's, it's kind of different levels of disturbing because the person who plays the subplot to the young filmmaker, who's got his own Sandman movies, he plays it really well. 
like really closed off, really difficult to get any information out of him. You have no idea if he, is he actually killing people? Eh, it seems like he is. <laughs> but like that's kind of not the point because it's just kind of about the mystery. <clears throat> and I guess the filmmakers created that as a subplot because, uh, okay, so you know the movie like Houses October Built? Yeah. It was originally yes. shot as a documentary. And then mm-hmm. some film reps or whatever saw it and they're like, well, let's just turn this into a movie. So they created like the blue skeleton subplot and everything else. But like a lot of that documentary footage, they actually did shoot at haunted houses. Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of this movie was supposed to be documentary style to talk about this actual peeping Tom incident that the filmmaker talks about at the very beginning where this one particular man in his neighborhood got caught with something like a hundred plus VHS tapes of people around the neighborhood that he had just been filming for years um, and he wanted to do it on that, but he couldn't, the guy refused to do an interview. So he came up with something else. The more interesting part about the movie to me is seeing, I mean, I, I suppose is it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dark side of horror as, as weird as that sounds that there is definitely the subculture within horror that goes way beyond gore that goes way mm. beyond splatter. It's they want to see depictions of snuff they want to see depictions of rape and assault and and they they don't want catharsis like the point isn't that bad things happen like it's not hills have eyes like bad things happen someone tries to save themselves or get revenge or last house on left or anything like that it's just for the sake of as one of the filmmakers says he's like i don't make movies for art I make movies so perverts will pay me money. Wow, and it, 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 it's a really dark side. And like they talk about like going to some of these um, conventions and they're just selling more, more often than not, they're made to order. Like I want to see a woman like tied to a crucifix and, and assaulted like, and Whoa. it's just like, it's, it's such a bummer to watch for a lot of reasons, <laughs> not just the fact that this exists, which no one should really be surprised, but I think when you love horror, you don't want to think of it like that. Yeah. Like, obviously, it lends itself to brutality, but that brutality is packaged in a different way and probably contextualized a lot differently. But just the idea that, like, that there's filmmakers who are making this, that they're like, all right, I will totally serve this need. And, like, the way they rationalize it to themselves. And there's a scene where the guy's shooting a scene and there's a model on the ground who's supposed to be dead. And it's the most awkward thing. you've. It's so awkward. And mm. she's so bored. And he's just getting drunk, sitting around, not really wanting to do anything. And at some point, the shot's over. And she gets up to walk away. She's naked except for wearing, like, a, a G-string. And she has this look on her face. Like, what happened to my life? Like you cannot interpret it any other way. And it's just so like heartbreaking that this was just, it was a job because yeah. a lot of these women appear in these movies over and over again. Cause it's a job. It's a paying gig. Like they're their own kinds of scream Queens. Um, holy shit. It's, it's a dark watch <laughs> like wow. because it's the reality. It's not just dark horror. It's, it's another side of horror that most people don't see and never want to see. So fascinating though. Well, is it like a documentary or is it like a found footage, you know? Both. Okay. Yeah, it's documentary. There's a true path where he's interviewing filmmakers who make this content. And then there's a subplot with a single filmmaker who makes the Sandman movies. And they kind of keep coming back to him. And they're trying to get information from him. That's fictional. That guy is just an actor, comedian who's done other stuff. That was just the pad runtime and content, I think, and to kind of um, kind of expand on the idea of what's really going on and, and possibly maybe its own statement on what things could become. Mm-hmm. Like if we're already catering to people who want to see this, how, how long until someone just starts doing it if they haven't already? You know, they talk about this, this potential snuff culture and stuff like that too. So it's, it's, it's very fascinating if you already have – the subscription totally recommend it watch splinter first <laughs> or after again, you might need a mood lifter yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that splinter is a mood lifter <laughs> i think it is yeah 
before we get to the next part, what did we watch and how did we watch it? Zena? Okay, so I watched The House on Skull Mountain on YouTube and The Queen of Black Magic on Shudder. None of mine are available. Sorry, guys. I watched <laughs> In the Earth, Censor, and Prisoners of the Ghostland at Sundance. Oh, I'm an industry insider. I get to see all the all the cool stuff ahead of time. She's a fancy. Hey, still doesn't get this to see was the accessible for everybody. If you paid for single <laughs> tickets, you could have too. No, we want to be fancy. Yeah, I think we both know that I need you to tell me to watch something before I watch it, so that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, and I watched Bad Milo on Amazon's Monsters and Nightmares subscription, and I bought Smiley Face Killers on Amazon, and I watched Sandman on the same Monsters and Nightmare trial subscription. So, before the next part, Megan, what am I watching for next week? I actually have a couple in case you... I have backups always in case you've actually watched them. Um, but this okay. one for you this week is not something that I think you will like. It's something that I like, uh, and it's something Ooh. that you had mentioned you don't watch Netflix a lot for things. Um, so, Sweetheart. Mm -hmm. <gasps> My pick for you is Sweetheart. That movie's so good. Not familiar. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. Is it a newer one? It's within the last couple. I think it's like 2018-ish. Nice. Yeah. Or 2019. So, yeah. I don't know. 2019? Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty recent. Um, yeah. Right. And it does not look horror at all or sound horror, but it is. So, yeah, going blind. Wow, Megan. Nice. All right, Zeno. Okay, so I, I do have a backup just in case if you've seen this movie. But like Megan, it's because I like this movie. And yeah. I want to share joy with you. That, awesome. Yes. Okay. Good. So, Perfect. Uh, the movie is Bite from 2015, and it's on Tubi. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Megan. Oh boy. <laughs> Megan, no! I'm just like, I know John and his love of body horror. So you but this just. This movie is, is, it's fun. It makes me feel alive. I said I liked Splinter. We're okay, right? See? Okay. Yeah. Cannot wait for next week. <laughs> okay. The look <laughs> on Megan's face has filled me with hope. <laughs> Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. Megan, what's going on? Save me. Cloverfield is getting a proper sequel. Uh, the Yeah, the J.J. Abrams produced horror hit released in 2008 that boosted the filmmaker or boosted Matt Reeves career, essentially. It's finally going to get a true sequel, not a set in a universe spinoff. Uh, Abrams, Bad Robot, Banner, right. and Paramount Pictures have tapped writer Joe Barton to pen the script. The Hollywood Reporter, who broke the news, cheekily said that the plot details uh, of the take are being kept under city Central Park. They're being hidden under Central Park. Get it? Because that's where the first movie took place. Mm -hmm. uh, wah, wah. Wah, wah. Uh, so what? So basically, we know nothing other than. It's happening. Joe Barton is going to write the script and that they will not be returning to the found footage format. Does okay. that bum you out or excite you? Well, for me, it excites uh, me because as much as I love Cloverfield, the, that camera, it just made me want to die. Like it really made me sick. So I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I have two reasons why I am for this. One is for there were so many people who had issues with motion sickness. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't, but I totally feel for anybody that does. So I'm I'm happy that this means that it will be an easier time for them. Two, I'm not sure that you could capture that same level of like. I mean, we we already have a peek under the curtain, so I don't know that you this would mm -hmm. work for it twice in a row. But anyway, I definitely want to know from the found footage expert. Yeah, well, it, it's, it would be retreading the tire a little bit for right. me. It doesn't need to be found footage. And, and honestly, 10 Cloverfield Lane was it, it was an excellent movie. Well, John Goodman's like, performances were amazing. Oh, like, yeah. Tying it into the Cloverfield universe at the end, more or less, was kind of almost a stretch. But, I mean, we've seen, honestly, I, I like to think that we already had the prequel in Underwater anyway. There's so many movies that have been loosely tied. It's like people thought Overlord was going to be tied to yep. the Cloverfield that... universe. Underwater yeah. would be, an like you said, an excellent prequel. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it, it honestly doesn't need to be 
phone footage by any means. Like you said, like I I adore Cloverfield. I love the Cloverfield movie. The only thing that ever bummed me out was the the fan or the theory that originally had floated around. When you look at the at the very end, when you see the splash in the water in the distance, someone I read something a while ago that said like that was an asteroid, like and that was supposed to be the creature like crashing on Earth. And then later I found that that was actually a hidden Easter egg for people who did the ARG. And mm. that that was actually like it was a satellite crashing that had nothing to do with any of that. And that the Cloverfield monster is actually from the bottom of the ocean. And it had to do yeah. with like digging in the trenches. And that helped me so much because my wife and I adored the idea that it was from the deep ocean. Yeah, like, I do is, too. I love that. Like yeah. it's I there was to me that's a, that was a so much better twist than the idea was anything from space. So, no, it doesn't need to be phone footage because it would really feel like they were just trying to force it too much. Yeah. I don't I don't think, <clears throat> I honestly don't think that uh, movies that start in phone footage need to stay in phone footage. Like, even like Hell House LLC, it, as much as they tried to, it didn't work really well because it's, you're, you're, you're forcing it yeah. into that genre instead of just letting the story be what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, I'm totally for them doing whatever with Cloverfield. Cool. Um, and next, uh, Timothy Chalamet is in talks to lead the, uh, for a lead role in Bones and All. So in 2019, it was announced that David Kajanich, Kaj- I cannot say his last name, Kajanich, David Kajanich, uh, was following up Suspiria by writing another genre film, an adaptation of Camille DeAngelis' coming-of-age cannibal story, uh, novel, bones and all so at the time when this news broke in 2019 antonio campos was tapped to direct he's the director of the recently netflix release uh the devil all the time so kajanich said of the project at the time like the plot was uh since she was a baby Marin has had what you might call an issue with affection anytime someone cares for her too much she can't seem to stop herself from eating them Abandoned by her mother at the age of 16, Marin goes looking for the father she never has known, but finds more than she bargained for along the way. Faced with love, fellow eaters, and enemies for the first time in her life, Marin realizes that she isn't looking for her father, she's looking for herself. The real question is, will she like the girl she finds? Um, And then the writer, Kajanovich, said... uh, We've all become used to the status quo of jump scare horror, but this is a story with something so disquieting, tense, and human at its center, it will give us the chance to engage the genre aggressively from the side of a character. Camille's book is a knockout, unlike anything we've read, and making this adaptation with uh, two friends whose integrity and daring I love so much means we really will be swinging for the fences. And he's referring to Antonio, who is not attached anymore, because now Luca Guadagnino is attached. And that's the director. They they previously teamed up for Suspiria's remake. So mm-hmm. you have Suspiria's director and Suspiria's writer on board and Timothy Chalamet, who worked with Guadagnino, uh, Call Me By Your Name, I believe was the movie. So it's being described as a horror love story. And I am totally on board with cannibal love stories. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any thoughts or even familiarity with the source novel. I don't. No, I I don't. I'm not familiar with it. I mean, it sounds interesting. Um, yeah, it sounds interesting. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know that based on Suspiria, we can expect the unexpected. Like they will not yeah. take it in a in a normal conventional direction, which also is exciting. Mm-hmm. And then, nice. yeah. Um, and then Vigo Mortensen. He slipped up some interesting details in a recent interview with GQ about uh, his directorial debut, Falling. Uh, David Cronenberg came up in that interview because uh, he acts in the film as Dr. Klausner. I mean, Cronenberg Mm. has a long history of popping up in movies to play some interesting often doctor or scientist-related roles. Uh, But Mortensen had previously starred in Cronenberg's A History of Violence and then Eastern Promises, I think, two years after that. So the topic naturally led to the question of whether the two would be planning to collaborate again or not. So his response to that question was, yes, we do have something in mind. It's something he wrote a long time ago, and it never got made. Now he's refined it, and he wants to shoot it. Hopefully it'll be this summer we'll be filming. I would say, without giving the story away, he's going maybe a little bit back to his origins. 
I think for horror fans, we have an idea what that means, but the interview Mm -hmm. wanted to clarify. So he asked, so body horror type stuff? And his response was, yeah, it's very interesting. It's almost like a strange film noir story. It's disturbing and it's good, I think. But since his origins, he's obviously developed in terms of technique and self-assurance as a director. So... I had no idea that Cronenberg directed A History of Violence. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. He did. And that's kind of the turning point where he hadn't been back to horror since. You know, he did A History of Violence mm-hmm. and then he did Eastern Promises. And I think there's definitely some horrific elements, but they're not horror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and he's never really come back firmly to horror since. So not only is it exciting that he's going to potentially be, um, based on that last line, I'm not sure we should expect straight horror. I mean, it does sound like there's going to be body horror, especially if this was something that he had written back when he was firmly entrenched in horror. But uh, the way that he describes it as a strange film noir story and that he's developed as a director sense makes me think, like, do not expect the the straightforward genre approach. But I don't know how you guys feel. I mean, he did, you know, body horror. That's good enough for me. You know, (laughs) take my money. I'm curious to see where he's at then. Like, yeah, I totally expect body horror too, to some level, but it um, it makes me wonder if it will be a little bit more restrained, like maybe find, like split the difference between history of violence and, you know, video drum. <laughs> well, you think like the brood had body horror and scanners had some body horror and dead ringers, but they weren't mm-hmm. overtly body horror, you know? And so it wasn't I crash. Don't know. Yeah, Crash was a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I, the two of them together is always something to be excited about. For sure. And that's it. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited for a proper Cloverfield sequel? Want to see some Vigo body horror? Let's hear about it. Numbers 224-475-1040. The number's in the show notes, too. You may have noticed an absence of calls lately, and so have we. No worries. If you don't want to call and have your voice on the air or international rates are messing with you, feel free to email us at bediscussingpodcast at gmail.com or keep an eye on our social media accounts for chances to ask questions. Until then, we will keep staring at the Google Voice account until you call. Finally, if you're anything like us, you spend more than a little time streaming movies on all the apps out there. So Zena's going to do us a favor and let us know what we should be watching. Zena, what should we be watching? So on Tuesday, the second, The Clearing will be available on DVD. So this is a zombie movie. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I miss seeing zombies. I miss seeing them a lot. Like, so this one is about, it follows a father where he must battle through the zombie apocalypse to save his daughter's life when they're on a camping trip. And somehow she just, she goes missing. So boom, he's on this search for his daughter. Next one out that's also coming out on the 2nd, The Funeral Home, a.k.a. The Undertaker's Home. It'll be available on VOD. This one is from Argentina, and this one follows an undertaker who's running his own mortuary business in the same house where he resides. Up front are his clients, and in the back is his dysfunctional family where they live amongst coffins, and there's like supernatural entities that visit them on a daily. So this one seems fun. I I thought it was going to be the like a remake from the one from the 80s, but it still sounds like it's going to be a good time. Then on Thursday, the 4th, this one will be available on Shudder. It is A Nightmare Wakes, and it's an adaption of the novel uh, Frankenstein as told through the life of Mary Shelley. As she creates her masterpiece, she gives birth to a monster. Then on Friday the 5th, we have The Reckoning on VOD. This one is directed by Neil Marshall. Yay! Oh, so, so this one, it follows Evelyn, a young widow who's haunted by the recent suicide of her husband. And to make matters worse, she's accused of being a witch. Boom. And then last <laughs> and certainly not least, <laughs> Bloody Disgusting TV. Please enjoy hey. yourself. Nice. And that's Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenforward.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. 